was a bit of a whistle-stop tour. Uh, took seven flights and lots and lots of miles. So our carbon footprint isn't brilliant, I realize. But um, nevertheless, we, we met a lot of people and some great work going on for God's glory there. So that's wonderful. Just before I speak, I wanna, I've asked Ben if I could do this. He said I could. Uh, I just want to announce that uh, every two years, Caleb puts on like a, a celebration conference. We call it the Caleb Advance. We kind of wondered about a retreat, but we thought that was a bit negative, so we thought advance. That sounds a bit more like uh, going forward in Jesus, doesn't it? Anyway, this Caleb Advance is uh, a two-day event. It's mainly on the Saturday, but it's also on Friday evening. And uh, we got John Andrews. Some of you remember John Andrews from Renewal. He's a really amazing speaker. I know Ben and Craig and others came last time when we had this advance, and they loved what John shared, and, and you'll be guaranteed of an amazing word. There's also seminars, there's food, there's fellowship. There's, it's going to be a really fantastic time. So if you want to come to that, it's very reasonably priced as well, just 15 quid, and you get a free meal in for that as well. It's called the Caleb Advance, and I'm going to put these leaflets just down here. And if you want to come and grab one later, that would be wonderful. Great, thank you. 18th and the 19th of September. So you've got about six months to go. 18th and 19th of September. And it's down in, near Cardiff in South Wales. And I, I you come up and back for, and for there many times. It's two hours top, so it's quite easy, really. So um, if you can come along to that, that would be awesome. And you'll have a really great time. Okay, praise God. Well, I got half an hour to do this because I'd like to finish on time if I can. Uh, and I really feel I got a word that, that stirs up. I mean, Ben prayed this morning. It was a fantastic prayer time, by the way. There's something shifted in the heavenly places for this church. And I'm so encouraged by that. And he, and he prayed, Lord, give us something that will stir us up. Well, I think I'm going to stir you up today. <laughs> it's called Embracing the Call to Change. Okay? You see, there's an old adage, change is here to stay. I like that. <laughs> and so with God, we're always being called to a higher place, yeah? We never, God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay in our broken state or our sinful state or our fleshly state or our selfish state. He's always pushing us through discipleship, to climb higher, to become more like him. And so if we are willing to allow that to happen, then we are willing to embrace the call for change. I like the word embrace because it's almost like I'm going to grab it with both hands. And when the changes come, even if they're a bit painful, I'm still going to grab them because this is the way I grow in Jesus. You see, Human beings love equilibrium, and for a good reason. I'm glad that my body's in equilibrium. I'm not very happy when it's not. And life generally, we are happier when it's in equilibrium. But if we stay in equilibrium, that is in an equal place that nothing ever changes, then we remain in that state for the rest of our lives. And leaders, and especially prophetic words, they come and stir up. They disrupt the equilibrium. So we are pushed to another level. And I believe the Lord is going to push us yet again to another level, because momentum is needed to continue advancing towards the new era. And so I'm going to revisit the new era again. You might be fed up of hearing about it, but God is not fed up, and he wants to push it on us continually because he's got such a blueprint in heaven for this church that you haven't arrived at yet. And God is wanting to push us towards that place. And transformations 
often follow the cross, don't they? Or follow the plow, if you want to use that analogy. And when the plow goes into some hard ground, it disrupts. It damages habitations of old. It starts to stir things up. It breaks up hard soil so that new life forms can begin to grow there. And God is putting his plow into our hearts and stirring us up because he wants to see new fruit germinate for his glory. See, only the Lord never changes. Scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's the only one who that applies to. The rest of us, we are required to embrace change in our lives. Let me see if this clicker works. As usual, it doesn't. Or oh, have I pressed the wrong one? Yes, my fault. I beg your pardon. Okay, here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with our face having been unveiled... Having beheld the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord is pouring glory onto your life so that you may transition and change to become more like Jesus. That is blueprint. That's his passion. And as we behold the Lord, like as if we're looking in a mirror, we're saying, Lord, I want to become like you. I see you, Lord, and I want my heart and my passion to draw towards you so I can become like you. But then we look at another scripture here in James chapter, sorry, I haven't put the chapter on, chapter 2. Be doers of the word, he says, and not hearers only who deceive themselves. If anyone hears the word and doesn't do it, he's like a man who looks at himself in a mirror, there's the mirror word again, but forgets what he sees. In other words, let's suppose you looked in the mirror, and, you, and your beard, like my, I often look at my beard, oh, there's too many hairs there, I've got to shave that off. What if I look there and I see something that needs to be dealt with, and I pretend it's not there by looking away? I'm deceiving myself, aren't I? If you've got a spot on your nose of, of uh, mud or something, and you pretend it's not there because you look away, you're deceiving yourselves. We always do something about what we see in the mirror. But when we look into the perfect law of God, and God starts to challenge our hearts and stirs us up and puts his finger on something, if we do nothing about it, it's like looking at something in the mirror and doing nothing about it. It's ridiculous. You're never going to grow. You're pretending. You're deceiving yourselves, says the Scripture. And we cannot afford to be deceived. You see, there's the Greek word for time. And time is the thing that produces change, isn't it? If it weren't for time, there'd be no change. That's why God's outside of time and therefore outside of change. But where we got time, we got change. And there's two Greek words, and you probably know them, for this word time. And it's chronos and kairos. There's a difference between chronos and kairos time. Let me just work our way through this slide here. Chronos, as you probably remember the word chronological, or chronological, the hours, minutes, and seconds of life. It's the time things that we measure. The, 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 the sun comes up, the sun goes down, what we do between it is what we do in chronos time. But in kairos time, this means the opportunities or special moments of significance that we can seize. Carpe diem, you've heard that expression, which means seize the day. And that refers to kairos time, the opportunities or special moments of significance that we can seize. But if we're distracted with chronos and just getting on with our daily routine, our ears are not attuned to receiving those opportunities, those special moments that the Holy Spirit wants to, 
nudge us towards so that we can start moving into a place of change. As I say, most people react to whatever life's chronos days bring our way. We are channeled along by our routines, schedules, and daily patterns. And that's nothing wrong with that. That's right the way we should live our lives. But if that's all we've got, and we're so preoccupied with those kind of habits, those patterns, those schedules, then we're going to miss out on the prompts that create change in our lives. We've got to start focusing and being mindful of the fact that the Lord wants to bring kairos moments into our lives on a daily basis. God desires to invade our chronos with his kairos moments. But many Christians are unaware of this. They can't hear his voice and they miss these opportunities to change. He wants to work with your chronos. But we need to become attuned to his word. You see, when Jesus spoke to the devil, when he was tempted, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every chronos, sorry, kairos word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what the Jesus lived by. And so all the time, he was picking up what his father was showing him and telling him. And in fact, in, James, in John 5, verses 19 and 30, he says, For the Son of Man can do nothing apart from what his father shows him and his father tells him. He was attuned to the moments during his day when his father wanted to share something with him and prompt him towards some dimension of change. So if we are ruled by the distractions of Kronos, we'll miss the changes that God's Kairos moments bring. And that's why the scripture talks about praying continuously. It doesn't mean to say we're on our knees with our eyes closed all the time, but our heart attitude is connected to Jesus and we are contending in prayer, and we are recognizing the need to be connected to Jesus. But the cross of change can be difficult, especially if we find change difficult. And you've probably seen this bell chart, but it's the different rates at which people change. And you've got the innovators on the left-hand side, and they're people who love change. Any innovators here? Put your hand up if you love change. Okay. What about an early adopter? That is, people who quickly adopt change. Anybody like that? Okay. What about the early majority? People who eventually change. Are you a bit more like that? Yeah, okay. You've got to be honest and forget. What about the late majority? That's people who take much longer to change. Any of those types? Okay. I think my Sue is a bit like that, Nila. And then, how many laggards? People who hate change. Any laggards here? Yeah, we got one at the back there. Amen. There's nothing wrong. Listen, laggards are brilliant people because when they do finally change, they stick with it like glue and they never let you down. Whereas the innovators and the early adopters can kind of come and go a little bit. So, so praise the Lord for the late majority. A horrible word, laggards, isn't it? I don't know where they got that from, but um, it doesn't sound very nice. I know that. But it doesn't mean to be nasty. It means that those who are difficult to change. So if you find change difficult then you might find my word that I'm bringing this morning a little bit challenging as well. But God wants us, and he recognizes your makeup. He knows he wants to work with you. He's very patient. And he's put leaders in the church who are very patient to bring about the changes that he desires in you personally and in us as a church. 
You see, the unknown, remember the unknown pathway, that picture, I'll show it to you in a moment. The unknown pathway to the new era requires catalytic people. What a funny word. The word catalyst means like a trigger, that triggers something off. And God uses certain people, especially the invaders and the early adopter types, he uses those sorts of people to become like catalysts or triggers that trigger off changes that create steps towards this new era along this unknown pathway that we saw uh, when we were at the uh, time away in July as a, as a church. He requires Catholic people who prayerfully contend and receive from the Lord. To contend means to pray with passion, to pray with intercessory prayer, to pray to see something break through. They're the sort of people, they're the catalysts that God uses. So if you're a prayer warrior, if you find passion in praying for the things, then you're one of those catalysts that God's calling. He wants you to become this kind of catalyst that causes a shift to take place and something to move towards the goal that God has in mind. And new ways of thinking emerge. New ways even imagining in your heart that catalyze change and progress. These kinds of people, mind, are sometimes misunderstood, maybe resisted, maybe threatened by and initially resisted by the status quo. I always remember bringing a, a, a teaching when I was in Africa back in 2003-04 when we were missionaries over in Tanzania. And I talk, started talking about the need for cell, cells to emerge within churches so that the, the church was divided into small groups. Now, all the pastors I was teaching, they were up in, in an uproar because they thought I was suggesting that we fragment and break up their church. And they were saying, and the other people will go off and steal my church and they, they'll run their own cells and they'll start their own church. And there was this uproar going on because I suggested something that was shaking up their status quo. That was shaking up the way they'd always done church. And it took some hours to prove to them that this was the word of God. And then tentatively and very sort of cautiously, they began to experiment with cells. And some weeks later, they all come back and said, that was brilliant. You know, God has done some amazing things because we listened to this shake-up word. So initially, it was resisted. But in the end, it became a powerful tool for them. Once their passionately communicated and modeled vision gains traction in people's hearts, early adopters begin to cluster with them. New paradigms of thinking emerge and progress towards the vision's realization is made. You see, so God needs these catalytic people. Are you, are you getting a bit stirred by this? Because some of you, if you're getting stirred by this, it's because you're probably one of them. And you're sensing that God is calling you to be that contender, that prayerful person, that person who starts to see in the Spirit. And if you can't see, I'm not getting off you, Lord, until I can see what you're trying to say. You're that kind of tenacious little terrier that won't let the Lord go until he blesses you, and a bit like Jacob, and until that prophetic word starts to come and emerge and grow and become substance in your heart. And then you'll start to push your way towards it. Now, I don't know if you remember, those of you who were at the, uh, the, the weekend away, it was a very important time, that Stephen Wood showed a picture of a, a caterpillar, what he called a grub, <laughs> which was... 
a caterpillar, which is um, a chrysalis, and then a butterfly. Can you remember that picture? And the Lord quickened that to me in Africa when I was preparing for this just a few days ago. And I want us to sort of reflect upon that for a moment. And I'm going to show you a picture. Here we go. There you are. There's the two key prophetic words, I believe, for SCF. There were others too, were just as key, but these are the two I feel the Lord is quickening to my heart. On the left-hand side, yes, it is your left, you can see the, the, um, the caterpillar, the chrysalis, and the butterfly. And on the right-hand side, you can see the unknown pathway. And this unknown pathway is the narrower one that goes off to the left. And that was what the Lord is saying. I want you to go on a way that you cannot predict yourself. You cannot do this yourself. You have to receive from me a prophetic revelation to tread on that way because it will have to take a miracle of grace for you to get to where it's leading. That's the kind of heart that was in that particular word. And it's a similar thing here on the left-hand side with the caterpillar and the butterfly. It's impossible to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly unless a miracle takes place within. And so I began to do a little research, and I had a good chat to a good friend of mine who had done some research on this chrysalis stuff. And he discovered, and this has been scientifically proven, I read the, the, the uh, article myself, that something happens in that chrysalis between the caterpillar and the butterfly that transforms it into the butterfly. Do you realize that the DNA of the caterpillar is the same as the DNA in the, in the butterfly? It's the same DNA. And yet something changes to metamorphose, to transform, to actually just take beyond recognition what was and what's become. And they're called imaginal Cells, imaginal cells. Inside the chrysalis, the chrysalis kind of turns to a, a, a yucky goo, like a soup of cells that are kind of broken down from once was the caterpillar, now it's this goo inside the chrysalis. But within it, there are imaginal cells. Let me talk you through it on my slides. The DNA of the dying caterpillar has to call forth a new form to remain alive. Its imaginal cells within the soup of the chrysalis begin to prophetically, that's kind of inverted commas, call into being alternative imagined life. Can you see what I'm going with this? Are you picking up now? You're thinking, I'm an imaginal cell. And that's what I'm hoping to, you'll resonate with here because you're somebody, if you're resonating with this, is saying, I'm like that. I can remember what it was, and it was great when it was, but God's shown me something of a future vision that I want to go towards. And I'm going to start to allow my Holy Spirit imagination to call it into being. And that's exactly what happens in the chrysalis. These imaginal cells chemically, well, I don't understand the, chem, the, the science of it, but they're kind of calling the rest of the cells to to cluster together and align with this new vision called a butterfly. And so originally, sorry, at the beginning, they are resisted by the other cells and sometimes attacked, but their resilience, I'm shooting ahead, the remaining old guard cells initially tried to attack, silence, or paralyze these imaginal cells. However, their resilience and hope-filled call eventually gains traction and others are tra attracted to them and they become so transformed. So can you see what's happening? In the course of time, the, 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 the original imaginal cells, not many of them, start to call the others. 
Some get, no, not interested in this. I want to go back to being a caterpillar. Others saying, well, actually, maybe they've got a point. And this is all kind of conjecture here. And, and so um, maybe we'll start to see what it's all about. And eventually they become imaginal cells as well. And so the, the final result, clusters of new imaginal cells form until a tipping point of critical mass is found. A new life form called a butterfly emerges. Amen? Amen? And so we're in this kind of chrysalis time. We've been the butterfly, what about, sorry, the, the caterpillar. What do caterpillars do? They munch and they eat and they consume and they get fat and they shed their skin and they eat and munch again and they get fat again and they shed their skin and they keep on going until they're so big, fat and tired that they go into a chrysalis. And it's great to be a caterpillar. That's just, it's fine to be a caterpillar. Remember my talk last time I was with you about the different suns? The Nepios sun, and they had their, their bottles in their mouths all the time, and the other forms until they eventually became a Huios sun, which is a mature person capable of doing something. And so it's the same here, same principle, that we start to imagine and call into being that which God is calling us to do. So are you prepared to become an imaginal cell? You're already saying, yeah, I'm already one. Hallelujah. But others of you thinking, especially if you find change difficult, I don't know about this. I'm kind of happy with the old SCF, you know. But God is saying, praise God for the old SCF. And elements of it will continue, of course. But God is calling you into something, an unknown path. that You don't even know what it's going to look like, really. We're getting glimpses. And the prophets are beginning to share pictures. But God is calling us to get on this exciting journey. Because God's always used small amounts of people to accomplish great things. It's called a remnant principle. And the scripture says, you know, at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace in the book of Romans. Now, the remnant principle in the Bible suggests that God historically and currently moves through the minorities, catalyzing a tipping point and a landslide. And we, we'll rattle through here. If we had time, we'd spend more time on it. But Noah, he led eight souls to a new world, preserved righteousness. Abraham, God created a new covenant people through him. Moses rescued God's people from powerful Egyptian captors. Israel, destined to be a blessing to all the nations despite being small. Gideon, whittled down to 300, conquered a multitude of Midianites. Jesus, taught about the few who entered by the narrow way to find life. Paul, domestic road experience, took the gospel to the Gentiles. And Peter received revelation, preached it with power, and 3,000 souls got saved. Can you see the remnant principle here? If you carry something in the Lord, however small it is, then something amazing will come if you contend in prayer, in passion, in receiving what Jesus has got. And something incredible is going to be birthed on the other side. A butterfly of unimaginable proportions is going to emerge that God's going to be so blessed with. And you'll be able to go forth and multiply in great measure. Okay, let me calm down a bit here. Otherwise, I'm going to explode. <laughs> okay, so what are the implications for SCF as we seek to transition into the new era? Well, there's a few questions for us. Do you react like an imaginal cell at times of change? Or are you kind of a neutral, passive cell? Or are you an attacking old paradigm cell? Only you can answer that question. Let me ask you again. Do you react like an imaginal cell in times of change? Or do you react like a neutral, passive cell? Mm, I don't know. Well, okay, if, if that's what you think, you know, fair enough. Like, Or are you an attacking old paradigm cell? No, I'm not going down there. Which one are you? 
Don't answer me, but answer before the Lord. Jolly old plaster, get off. Okay. Do you have a single-minded connection to Jesus so that you can tune in to feel and hear his prophetic heart, passions, and proactive solutions? He wants to give you them, you see. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your chronos with his kairos. If the new era concept is from God, I believe it is, but do you believe it is? Amen. If the new era concept is from God, are you seeing it more clearly now, being ever more drawn to support and join it, and even speak into it as the Lord gives you revelation? Because that's the excitement of the remnant principle, the imaginal cells principle. Can you envisage what the SCF butterfly may look like? Are you beginning to gain a glimpse of what it might look like? Have you had a revelation of its beauty and better outcomes for the church? If not, then receive a change of heart now and ask the Lord to draw you to his imaginal cell heart. See, I recognize there's a bunch of us are going, Amen, hallelujah, because you're imaginal cells. There's a bunch of us who are thinking, oh, I don't know about this. You know, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like a sausage. I have nothing inside of me. Now, bless you. I know exactly what you feel because I've been like that as well. And I am still like that from time to time, if I'm honest. But I want us to ask the Lord because this has got to come from the Lord. You can't whip this up because you're an extrovert, right? You have to allow Jesus to start drawing your heart upwards. But it does take some will issue. It says, Lord, in my Kronos moments of time, I want to stop. I don't want to say, Lord, have you got a Kairos moment to give me today? Maybe after this, maybe when you get to your cell groups, maybe pray together. Lord, have you got a Kairos moments you want to give to us today about this new vision, this new era that we are passionately following for your glory? And the Lord will speak to your heart. He really will. You see, finally, God uses the crises in our lives to bring about transformations. How we respond when negative change sweeps over us will determine whether we die spiritually or metamorphose into living as new creations in Christ. You see, sickness is a horrible thing to go through, isn't it? I, I live with a woman, she's one amazing person, is my wife Sue, who's constantly got pain. She has fibromyalgia, she has bad knees and hips, and she's often in pain. But she's one of the most joyful and cheerful people I know. Why, how did she manage to do that? Because she chooses to receive the grace of God, and that grace starts to give her the capacity to see a better future, or to exist in the now with the grace that flows from the throne into a situation. So changes, transformations, crises can be used of the Lord to bring about either metamorphosis in our attitudes or we die spiritually because of the situations. We could talk about financial difficulties, the same principle. Marriage relationship tensions, working relationships in church and workplace, ministry doldrums. Wow, haven't I been in the ministry doldrums before now? Where you know the doldrums are, where there's no wind and the, and the ship can't go anywhere, you're just floating and existing. But in those moments, the wind of the Spirit can be brought into you when you start to trigger off, when you catalyze the imaginal cells in your heart. 
And you start saying, Lord, I'm going to see something different. I want to see my ministry really taking off. I want to see my body getting healed. I want to see my marriage getting sorted out. I want to see my kids come back to Jesus. I want to see all sorts of great things. Even bereavement is a terrible process to go through. But there's a point where you can come to a place of metamorphosis by seeing a better future, by switching on the imaginal cells, by receiving those kairos moments within your chronos. So when we are caught up in the soup of turmoil, see it as a kairos moment. Turn your face towards Jesus. Imagine what a transformational work of grace in your heart looks like and then ask him and contend until you break through. Begin to speak new creation life into an old creation situation until you see a metamorphosis transformation in your heart. In Kairos time, you will see a change in your circumstances. I've got four minutes left. And in time to just play you this song that I've asked Mark to put up for us. You've probably heard it many times. It's, um, can I only imagine? No, it's not. What's the last long words, isn't it? If I could only imagine. That's it. I can only imagine. Okay. And, and as we play this song, don't play it quite yet, bro. As we play this song, I want you maybe to close your eyes. You can look at the graphics if you want to. But I want you to sort of start imagining. All right? What is it that you want to imagine? You can focus on any aspect, your health, a situation in work, your marriage, the new era revelation, what this church could become like. And I want you to allow your imagination to be taken by the Spirit of God to see a better future in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, let's just listen and do business with God. Father, thank you so much, Lord for entrusting us with your prophetic words. Thank you so much, Lord, that you desire to speak into our hearts. You desire to live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And I just pray for us today as a church that you give every person the passion, the hunger, the thirst to hear from you, to tune into you in our Kronos times and receive that prophetic Kairos word, to become imaginal cells, Father, who start to see things in the Spirit, that start to use their Spirit-controlled and fired-up imaginations to receive a glimpse of glory and start to pray it into being. And Lord, even in our situations of life, our relationships, our finances, Lord, even the sicknesses or the health of our bodies, we pray you give us the capacity to see beyond the now to something of glorious future and draw it into the present and allow it to become so importantly precious to us that it begins to transform our attitudes and it starts to transform our language and it starts to transform the way we relate to people and it starts to transform our prayer life and it starts to give us that sense of hope and glory and victory. Father, I pray for each one of us this morning that you would do such a work. You'd begin a work even in some, but you'd stir up others to keep pushing forward until we reach this new era. We thank you, Lord, that we can only do it by you. And Jesus said he could do nothing apart from you. And we, we echo the same heart this morning, Lord. We can do nothing apart from you. 
And yet we can do all things through Christ is our strength. And we were reminded earlier by Paul, Lord, that we are given the capacity to do amazing things. Help us to stir up our spirit this morning, Lord, and become those imaginal selves that transform our lives and even this church from caterpillar phase of being a consumer to being a butterfly that is reproductive and going places and carries such beauty for your glory. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Thanks, Andrea.